0: Salamanders. Salam- salamanders. Sa- salamanders. <laughs> Sal- salamanders. Salamanders. Sal-
1: salamanders. Salamanders. <laughs> salamanders. Salamanders. Um. Welcome to Fun Effects, the podcast where we talk about weird and wonderful facts about animals and interactions that people have with them. I'm Grace. And I'm Mads. And today I wanted to talk about three kinds of animals. They have one thing in common. Well, actually, maybe more than one, but three. Three. yeah, I don't want to give it away, but it's not going to be a surprise for long, especially if you just read the title of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was going to talk about three animals that only have females in their population. What? So, we've only talked we talked about rotifers. Now, there's all female rotifers. These three animal's animals are all vertebrates. What? Yeah, so it's not usually common for things with backbones to not have males, though there are some cases like you hear about the Komodo dragon that lays eggs without a male once in a blue moon or something.
0: Really, I did not know that. I've never oh, heard that. I guess
1: that can be another podcast. But <laughs> uh, um, no, these animals—they don't. There's no males in the population. Not to say they don't need males, but of the species, of the species I'm going to talk about, there are no males. So this might go, I'm going to try to, I dove deep into this one. I got, I was like, oh, this will be interesting. And then I was like, oh, there's so much information. So I'll try to control (laughs) myself and just keep focused but it might go off on a weird tangents. I know it will. Um, so the first...
0: <laughs> I mean, you're talking to me, so it's definitely going to.
1: <laughs> the first animal I wanted to talk about is the Amazon molly. So mollies are related to guppies. So the fish enthusiasts out there know this. I don't really know that much about fish. So it's like, oh, that's interesting. I know what a guppy is. <laughs> But the Amazon Molly, it's not named because it's from the Amazon. It's named because there are only female fish. Oh, yeah, I, like that. I know. I, it took me a really long time. I read that and I was like, oh! Even though I had known for a while that there's <laughs> only female fish, uh-huh. uh huh. So originally, it was thought to be a hybrid between the sailfin Molly and the Atlantic Molly. And so, how these animals reproduce is they make clones of themselves, but they still need a male, but there are no male Amazon mollies, so what they do is they mate with the sailfin molly male or an Atlantic molly male, Um, there's a couple other molly species they can mate with. And then just the act of mating, it causes their, like, they need the sperm to send a signal to start creating the embryo, but they don't actually use the sperm at all. What? Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty weird.
0: And so... I mean, not to be rude, but that seems a little backwards.
1: (laughs) Well, originally they started off as the literature calls them bisexual animals so we are humans are bisexual because there's two like we have males and females and eggs and sperm <laughs> that come together to make a new human um so these are amazon mollies and the rest of the animals i'm talking about today are unisexual <laughs> animals there's only one sex which is different i want to say it's different than hermaphrodites mm-hmm. they only have ovaries like, there's some animals that can – they create sperm and eggs, and then they self-fertilize themselves. Does that make sense? There's no in- sperm in- involved at all, except they do need it to start, like, the process.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're just saying that, like, the sperm in this case is, like, a trigger to induce the process. Yes. But it doesn't actually provide any
1: genetic no, material. No, none whatsoever. Okay. Um. So that really puzzles – I mean – People are like, how can these things survive Like, when they just get mutated and just, you know, usually mutations build up that are bad, not good. It's more common to get bad mutations, not good mutations. Mm-hmm. So it really puzzles people and they've been studying it. But one of the things that they figured out, one of the questions was, why are these males from other species mating with this Amazon molly? Can they not tell the difference? So, are they, and I quote, are they stupid or are they horny? <laughs> <laughs> so, that's a quote from um, Mike Ryan who was studying them. So, they came up with this experiment, um, Sarah Hill and Mike Ryan from UT Austin, um, and they showed that actually it's neither one of those. Oh, I know, there's a third option. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so I just I don't know about that. There is there is a third option, and it actually makes sense when I explain it. So they showed that turns out there is a thing called mate choice copying. So when a female sailfin molly, Amazon Molly, rejects a male and says sailfin molly, so this is yeah sailfin molly. So this isn't the Amazon Molly; it's a sailfin molly. Got it. When a female sailfin molly rejects a male, so she chooses another sexier male, but then she has to spend time. Well, she's shown a male that she rejected, and then he chooses to mate with an Amazon molly. Next time she is given a choice, she prefers that she will prefer that male more often. What? Yes. He becomes sexier because another female chose him. But how does she? How do they know that she watches the Amazon Molly female choose the male she didn't like, and then because she watches that, she's like, okay. And then he becomes um, more attractive.
0: Okay, I have I have questions. Yes. What time span
1: are we talking about here? I didn't – I can bring up the original paper. I'm sorry. (laughs) And they didn't – like, I want to be clear, in this paper, at least the paper I was looking at, they didn't have her mate with him. It was just looking at time spent. What do you mean? Like, they didn't actually have her – they had her choose between two sailfin males. The sailfin female? Yeah, and she – The one that she spent the least amount of time with, then they had him mate with uh, an Amazon Molly.
0: And then she, but how do they know that she then found him more attractive?
1: Because then they put them together again. They give her another choice. They say, okay, here's the one you liked before and here's the one you didn't like. Who do you like now? And she likes the one she didn't like more than she did. She spends more time with him than she did before. Okay, but she watched them hook up, is
0: what you're saying?
1: Yeah, okay, so it's just like, it may, okay, think about people. If you, (laughs) there's cases where you say no, if you, I don't know, you're out at a bar and you're like, um, no, I don't want to dance with you. (laughs) And then the person goes and hooks up with someone else and you're like, oh, well, they're more attractive now. Or cases where someone hooks up with someone to make their ex jealous. Mm. Those are – I mean, people make choice copy too. Wow. Yeah. So this is it in Fish. I mean, on the reverse side, if they have a really sexy male, she's like, oh, I prefer this male. And then they – pair him with an amazon molly she's like oh they they can tell the difference between amazon mollies and their own species if the male with the amazon molly that she preferred if they're paired i'm saying it wrong if he's paired with the amazon molly and she preferred him before he's less attractive later to her yes because he hooked up with an unattractive female fish in her eyes. I mean, this is anthropomorphizing a little bit. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, sorry. So, if he if he made it with an Amazon
0: Molly, before the next Amazon Molly or the same Amazon Molly will be like, no thanks.
1: No, the the Amazon Mollies don't care. They just want sperm. <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, I don't man, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> there there might be some like looking I think there's some papers on mate choice on Amazon Molly's. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the sale fin Molly, if she sees male sheep preferred mating with an unattractive in quotes fish, then he becomes less attractive. Wow, that's wild. I know, these little fish, aren't they crazy? I really want to
0: see that study done, but in the wild, because I have a really hard time believing that all these fish are just watching each other all the time and like have the
1: memory span to know that. Mm. I mean, Matrix is shown in a lot of animals. We're, um, when we do butterfly work, We keep them separated. Like, we don't let virgin females watch males and females mating. Because we don't know, we haven't done the experiments to know if there's mate choice copying happening. And you could ruin your experiment, like, show something that's not true if all your females are just copying each other.
0: I've never even heard of this phrase before, so this is very...
1: I thought, I thought, oh, I guess I thought since you studied anthropology, you might know this. No. I guess I, no, I had never heard of it before either. Yeah, that's what I mean. I came up with these three animals and I was like, oh man, we could just talk about mate choice the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I had on Amazon Molly's because I was going to go yeah. into our next animal. Did you have any other questions about those dudettes?
0: Well, I guess I don't understand how they physically reproduce then. So, like, if they don't – if they're unisexual, that's what we said, Mm -hmm. but they don't self-fertilize, so are they cloning themselves? Like, I don't
1: understand. Oh, yes. Okay. They they are cloning themselves. So, okay, I actually brought up a picture because I knew you would ask this, and I knew I'd say it wrong, and then I didn't – look at it! (laughs) Okay, so, okay, pretend we start out with one set for mom and one set with dad, all right? So, pretend we just have one pair of chromosomes. We're gonna make it easy on ourselves so I don't have to do math and I won't mess it up. So, before meiosis, it doubles. So, you have four chromosomes. So dads replicated, mom's replicated.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then what happens is they split apart. So each cell, each cell has uh, two chromosomes, and then they split again. and so at the end you're left with just half the DNA that you should. So when you, have sex and the sperm and egg combine, you'll have the full mm-hmm. set, mm-hmm. like the pair. All right. I think I could have said that in the beginning.
0: Without <laughs> any of the numbers,
1: it makes sense. Okay. Anyway, all that happens in these guys is they just double it before. So it's twice as big as what bisexual animals have before they undergo meiosis. Hmm. That's it. But, okay, this might be a very
0: terrible tangent. Okay. But (laughs) I was just thinking, okay, so if these animals are technically then making genetic clones of themselves, right?
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Are they all genetically the same? Or is there, like, very clear lineages of, like, these fish that have
1: this exact same sets of genes do you know what i'm trying to say yeah i don't i mean they're not all identical of one fish but like that's what you're asking i guess like hereditary wise like from
0: mom to daughter to daughter to daughter to daughter to daughter would they not all have the exact same genes
1: yeah yeah they should
0: so you could like really easily trace the lineage of one of these amazon yeah guys. i
1: mean you're going to get mutations right but not every time but, yeah no um you should be able to trace it that's pretty cool yeah which is actually a nice segue into our wait are you are you good with those guys you have some good questions that i'm not sure i answered yeah 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 Keep okay going. it's a nice segue into our next animal which are Salamanders. Hmm. Yeah. So actually I don't have... There isn't a species name for these guys because they're from the genus Ambystoma, But they... I You'd be hard-pressed to call this cloning. So these female salam- salamanders of Ambystoma are a mix between several kinds of salamander species. Usually two sometimes three but there's up to five species that can form these hybrids i mean when i say hybrids it's only in on the loosest sense because they're not they're not what we think of as hybrids because they they're not well i don't know that's the wrong way to say they're, it. Unisexual? they're just weird yeah they're unisexual they can keep replicating themselves we make some assumptions about hybrids that these guys don't follow. Um, they are hybrids; like they've they come from hybrids that just keep replicating themselves. These salamanders you can find them; uh, they're pretty common in uh, mid the Midwest, the Great Lakes region, and the Northeast. So these are mole salamanders. Mole salamanders? Mole salamanders. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I'm going to say it like a Michigander. Uh, <laughs> Alright, yeah, we have... Uh, this is inside joke time. But um, <laughs> we're not going to go into that. Only that there are giant salamanders in, in China. Yes. Uh, um, that's That's the joke. <laughs> so, these guys... Like, we think of... Animals have one set from mom and one set from dad, but these female salamanders can have up to three sets of chromosomes, four sets. They found some with five sets, but they don't do very well. Apparently the larvae just swim in circles um, and don't, probably would not survive in the wild. (laughs) These guys are cool because you're like, what, what, why? Why do you have so many? What are you doing with it? (laughs) They have something called kleptogenesis. So what they'll do is salamanders, um, they mate by the male will put down a sperm packet. And the female will crawl over it and pick it up. What? With her cloaca. So with her genitalia. Yeah. I know. This is like, maybe we should just stop now. We probably will not go to the, get to the third species. We might not. We might <laughs> this not. Be t- this will be a to-be-continued because okay. I realize, like, all these animals just – even if you're looking at the bisexual species, they're amazing. <sighs> yeah. So what these guys do is instead of just mating with one male, they'll crawl around and pick up a lot of sperm packets.
0: Stop it.
1: <laughs> no, they will. And then, which, I mean, there's other animals that mate with multiple males. Cats. I don't think it's common for salamanders to do this. Um, I might be wrong. But these guys will pick up from several males. And I was trying to find if the males were cool with this. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but apparently in some areas there's more of the unisexual species than the bisexual species. So the males are like, well... I don't really have a choice. I can either not mate or mate with this unisexual female. (laughs)
0: Again, I mean, I just, I know that you're anthropomorphizing a little bit, but, like, I just don't understand how they even know that any of this is happening.
1: What do you mean? Like, I mean, I don't know if they know that they're going to have babies with this animal.
0: Well, I guess because you were saying, like, they can choose to not mate at all or mate with the unisexual female.
1: Oh, Oh. Animals don't mate randomly. They make choices. I guess I'm in a lab that studies mate choice. It just become really natural mate for me to think about. Like, we do experiments where we have female butterflies make choices between male butterflies, or vice versa. And they definitely have preferences. And they can remember, like, if if you show a female butterfly a male with too many spots usually she will not like him but 3 days later she'll ch- change her preference so if you show why why we don't know i mean there's some so if a, a like a virgin female is given is shown a a male with four spots usually if females are given a choice they will not mate with males with four spots but we paint them on and we are like okay what whatever, you're, gonna look at, <laughs> you're gonna look at this you're gonna look at this male with four spots and she's like all right well I just came out I don't really feel like mating and then you take him away and then two days later like, okay, make a choice. Do you want the two spot that usually you think is really sexy or this four spot? And um, most of the time, they prefer the four spot. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, they're very tiny animals, and they have very tiny brains, but they can make choices, and they have memories. They know what's sexy. Yes. Okay, sexy. I know that sounds anthropomorphic, (laughs) but... There's (laughs) There's <laughs> attractive. I could say attractive. How is that but different? If the, goal, if the angle is sex, then it's probably sexy is a good term. Exactly. For it. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. I can't even remember. I can't remember what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well you started questioning like I'm sorry. <laughs> The choices these animals can make, and yes, they can make choices.
0: (sighs) You were telling me about salamanders and how wild they are, and she picks up a bunch, and then you don't know if the guys like it or not, and that's, I started to Yeah, I was going
1: off on my own tangent, I can't remember. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, she picks up a bunch of sperm packets, and then instead, they don't know how she makes this decision, or what's going on. But they genotyped the babies, and they are not clones. They can be clones of her. Often they are not. Or she doesn't use the sperm to fertilize her eggs. Instead, she takes different chunks of DNA from the sperm and incorporates it into her eggs. Excuse me? (laughs) Yeah. How on earth? How? I did not look that up. <laughs> I don't know if they know. <laughs> it was only a couple years ago that they figured out that one usually in hybrids if this happens, well, not this, but usually in hybrids one one parent's gene is genome is expressed over the other one and the other one is suppressed. But in this one, it's like, oh, you're from a blue-spotted salamander? Oh, you're from a Jefferson salamander? Oh, you're from a (laughs) small-mouthed salamander? Well, and they just use all the genes equally. So, yeah, that's, I mean, there's a big, with asexual animals, there's this idea, like, mutations will build up, and eventually they'll become extinct. This wouldn't happen with this animal, because... It steals genes. <laughs> so, but, question.
0: Could it then therefore happen with the Amazon Molly, though? I,
1: I don't think it happens with Amazon Molly. I'm sure people are looking into that. This really, this kleptogenesis, it's really strange. And they, I think they're really excited that it happens with these salamanders. Um... It happens a lot with plants, which I'm not going to go into because I don't know as much about them. I guess it's pretty common in plants for this to happen, but it's not common in animals. Um, some other cool things that I found about these unisexual salamanders. We actually had this guy visit and give a talk at one of our seminars. So Robert Denton, he did his graduate, he got his PhD from Ohio State. And so it was the cutest thing though because they're looking at the difference of how far the bisexual salamanders and how far the unisexual salamanders traveled. And so they put them on little treadmills Stop and made them walk it. until they got tired. No. <laughs> and then compared it to how far they found them dispersing in the field. <laughs> and it turns out so there might be a downside to having three or four sets of chromosomes. And that is the bisexual salamanders traveled um, farther than the unisexual salamanders. And the unisexual salamanders just got tired faster. So they have this leg up in that they can mix and match their genes, but they might not be able to um, travel to farther locations and disperse as well. So whether that's from... number of genes we have. We don't know. There's other things like they I mean this is gonna sound gruesome but I think they they're it's gonna be okay. So they did this experiment where they cut off the tips of their tails because salamanders are really good at growing regrowing limbs, regrowing tails, and they found that the unisexual um species well I shouldn't say species, salamanders regrow their tail thirty six percent faster. Interesting. Yeah, so it took the bisexual species a month longer to regrow their tail, which is a big deal. If you're a little salamander, absolutely. Jeez. So those are just some tidbits. I some I think we'll tail bits. Do tail bits. Yes. <laughs> I think it's going to be to be continued on the last species, which I think makes sense. We'll save it to later. That sounds lovely. It's the best one. Well, I shouldn't say that. I think it's the one you will have the most most questions about. I think you will love it. Ooh, wow. I'm so excited. Yeah, a teaser. A teaser. Wow. All right, well, thank
0: you. Okay. So you may know about this already a little bit because I know you took your – class on like darwin and evolution recently Mm -hmm. but i was reading about worms and earthworms thanks mom for that article and uh i came across the fact that darwin studied earthworms for like 40 years
1: wait okay sorry did your mom send you an art am I gonna give something away? Did she no, send no. you an article about crazy worms? Yes, she did. Oh, my sister did too. And then she's like, You should do a podcast about this. And I was like, <laughs> That's what my mom said. And she and the- was
0: like, She specifically was like, Does Grace know about this? And I was like, I
1: don't know, I'll ask her. I know. I that was I was like, why do I know that Darwin studied earthworms? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was from that article. Right. Okay, well But that's all I know. That's all I know. I did not look into it farther. Further. Great. They're different words. They're different (laughs) words. (laughs) Further and farther are different. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just dying. They mean different things. Okay. All right. No one's disagreeing
0: with you right now. Um, okay. So he actually began his observations on earthworms when he was younger, but then he took a break, you know, to do his whole evolution thing. And then he came back to it later in life. I was trying to figure out exactly when he came to it. It's a little hard to tell. I think he was born in 1809, and then he published his book about earthworms called The Formation of Vegetable Mold. Through the Action of Worms with Observations of Their Habits. He published that in 1881, so he would have been about 71, 72. And it said he studied them for 40 years, so I guess maybe in his 30s he came back to it? In his 40s he came back to it? Can't be sure. But he, it was definitely after On the Origin of Species that he started getting really, really into it.
1: Yeah. Oh. Basically
0: what happened is – his uncle showed him a spot in his garden where he had spread some ashes and lime several years before, and Darwin saw how the soil cast up by earthworms had buried the lime and the ashes. And so in his home, he did most of this research at Downhouse, which is his, was his country estate outside London. Okay and he conducted experiments in his study and his billiard room and also field investigations in his like huge gardens and this was back when billiard how specific is
1: that like how specific you think is that? no the billiard room it
0: makes oh, it sound like
1: like they I think had it's a just billiard
0: like, f- fun detail
1: oh no i'm just imagining like they had a billiard room built and then Like, his wife's like, you're never going to use that. And he's like, I will. (laughs) For my worms. (laughs) I don't think it was a – I don't think it was a –
0: how do I say this? I don't think they built a billiards room. I think it probably just had a billiards table in there and it was the billiards room. You know what I mean? I mean, I couldn't possibly say, but it was like – an estate home, so it had probably three hundred rooms. You know, so you could call it whatever. Wait, really?
1: You I guess I knew. Like he must be rich because he just studied animals and wrote. I'm
0: took. I want to be clear. Decades
1: to write books. I'm making it all up.
0: I have no idea. <laughs> I just. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say the that. article. The article refers to his home as his country estate outside London, which to me implies that it is large. Larger than like a cottage, anyway. At least, sorry, yeah. I'm I'm sorry, you,
1: you like, you're like asking, like, oh, what is the scientific discoveries? And I'm like, I want to know about that billiard (laughs) room. (laughs) Listen,
0: listen, equally important. I think that because you know more about science than I do, you just go, hmm, I doubt the veracity of that science that you are quoting. And I'm like, oh, cool, billiard room? And you're like, yes, that I want more information about. <laughs> so it's not – it makes sense to me.
1: All right. Sorry. Continue. I'll let, you, I'll let you continue.
0: <laughs> so anyway, uh, at this time when he was doing his earthworm studies, this was kind of like back when people didn't really know or appreciate the role that earthworms had in agriculture and like in ecosystems. And so actually his book was a big turning point in terms of like the PR for worms. (laughs) And that book, the really long titled book about worms, observation of their habits, sold 6,000 copies in its first year, which actually – it was better selling than On the Origin of Species when it had first published.
1: Oh, wow. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So, Darren was really convinced that they were valuable for turning over the soil because he again saw in his uncle's garden and he was like, oh, it seems like they chew it up, poop it out, make everything more fertile.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, he wanted to do all of these different experiments and some of them are hilarious. So... <laughs> He experimented with different types of food. So he would place food on pieces of tin foil to make sure the earthworms did not accidentally come upon the food by burrowing from below. And mm-hmm. he, re- he recorded that they apparently preferred wild cherry and carrots as well as raw fat over raw meat. And, quote, judging by their eagerness for certain kinds of food, they must enjoy the pleasures of eating.
1: Yeah. Which is a bold statement. I mean, that's that's how Darwin reads. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's. It doesn't surprise me he said that.
0: Yeah. He also, he tested, like, all of their senses. So he also exposed them to lamps or candlelight and their sensitivity- to him holding a like heated poker near them. He tested their sense of sound, which is funny because earthworms don't have ears, but he used a metal whistle, he had his son play his bassoon. He also shouted at the worms. <laughs> <but> <laughs> he found that like nothing really happened, but if when he for example was shouting at them, if his breath touched them, they would react, but if it didn't, they wouldn't. And so similarly, he put some worms on a table near a piano and played the piano really loudly and nothing happened. But when they put the earthworms on top of the piano, they like reacted really intensely. So he concluded that they're very, very sensitive to vibrations.
1: Oh, I thought the breath might be sensitive to CO2, but actually I don't know that much about... Mm. Worm sensation?
0: I don't know the answer to that question. I can only speak to earthworms in the Darwin context currently. Yeah.
1: Because there's a lot of insects that freak out when you breathe on them.
0: Interesting, really?
1: Yeah, CO2. If you're going to be eaten and you sense CO2, that's bad.
0: That makes so much sense. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, Darwin was also curious to figure out if the earthworms had any level of intelligence so one thing he was really fascinated by was how earthworms pull leaves into their burrows he found that they often pulled the leaves in by their tips which to his eyes appeared to be the most efficient method and so he also hypothesized that they were using it to keep out chilled air from their burrows so they would like pull the leaves in by the tips to plug the burrow openings. Okay. And when he traded out the leaves for these, like, little paper triangles, he noted that the majority of them were still dragging the paper into the burrow by the apex, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Like, of a leaf, but of a triangle. Yeah. So, to him, he was like, oh, well, they have some degree of intelligence, but he noticed that if he kept earthworms in a warm room, (laughs) I love this quote, he was like, oh, these worms work in a careless or slovenly manner. They did not care about plugging up their holes effectually. I think they were just like sluggish because it was warm and or less motivated, I guess, to plug up their burrows. And then he covered the pot's that the worms ran with nets and left them outdoors for several nights. And he said, now 72 leaves are all properly drawn in by their bases.
1: Hmm. I don't know what to say about that. (laughs) I'm just taking that in.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I enjoy it because it's like, I just like his conclusions that he drew. And also the fact that he spent 40 years (laughs)
1: I don't think it was continuous study, but jeez. But still, he did a lot, playing a bassoon for his worms. Oh, I can see why he took them into the billiards room, because he had to play the <laughs> piano. Okay, that makes sense.
0: You know, the billiards slash piano room. I Yeah, I guess.
1: I don't know. Huh. Interesting.
0: But yeah, that's, I mean, that's really what I have. I just thought that that was funny, and I enjoyed it. And it was something I had never heard of before. I had no idea that he was so interested in earthworms and had published an entire book about them.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's one way to spend your time. I guess it's it's good that <laughs> he did that. No, I think it's good, but it's like it's sometimes it amazes me because sometimes you forget like what people had to do so that we know stuff today. You know what I mean? I do. People were tinking away on the piano to see if worms could hear. Um, And now no one ever has to repeat that experiment again. And then somehow we built computers. Yeah, exactly. It's how everything starts. So, you know, I mean, we still do experiments. One of the experiments we do in principles of biology is um, you have pill bugs And then you give them a light side and a dark side. What side did they like? (laughs) That's how you teach animal behavior (laughs) to beginning biologists. The experiment also works for kindergartners, third graders, schoolers. What are you trying to say about Darwin? No, I'm just saying, like, we still, (laughs) in order to teach the basics, we still do those things. Yeah. So I think it's, it's funny. Interesting. I don't know about those intelligence tests. I don't know, (laughs) but, um, they're interesting. Listen, he did the
0: best with what he had.
1: Yeah, I don't know how I would test intelligence in worms. I think it'd be very hard. You'd just be like, hey, what's up, guys? Write something. No. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's it. That's what I got. Okay. You want to send us off? I would love to.
0: Thank you, fans and friends, for listening to yet another episode of Fauna Facts. As per usual, you can find visuals for this episode on Instagram at, at Fauna Facts Podcast or our blog spot, which is Fonafactspodcast If you don't have Instagram and rate, review, subscribe, all that lovely stuff. Tell your friends. Uh, if you want to email us, it's faunafactspodcast at gmail.com. So thank you for listening.
1: Yeah, thank you. And goodbye. Bye.